Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the time that the EG Ministries got to have and, and go on their retreat. And Lord, we pray for the seeds that have been planted in the lives of these young ladies, that they would blossom, they would grow into fruit-bearing lives, the fruit of Christ, the knowledge of him in their hearts and out into who they are, pouring out onto those around them, we pray. Lord God, thank you for this time to gather around your word. We thank you for its, its truths that are so very clear, so very made ready for us to understand, and yet you are unsearchable, immense, vast, infinite, eternal. But you've given us a means through your word to understand some portion of who you are, and so we thank you for this. All in Jesus Christ's name. I've got a job. I need a volunteer. Rachel. I have in this piece of wood a rather sizable screw. Now tell me, Bill, what tool would you reach for, to, to take care of this job? I want that screw out of that piece of wood. A socket wrench because it's got kind of a bolt head on there, huh? There's your task, and here is your tool. Is that a socket wrench? Good luck. She's going to take it outside. No, no, she isn't. All right. she, she's going to work it right there. Good luck on that, really. Um, is it kind of difficult there, Rachel? Can you see how you're going to work it there? <laughs> it's probably another tool you'd rather have, huh? No, the hammer works for you? No, no, the hammer doesn't work for you. Okay. You use the claw. She's trying with the claw. She's, she's actually trying. She's probably going to have to destroy the wood in order to get that screw out of there, huh? You, you don't have to keep trying, Rachel. Don't worry. The task, the challenge is always the most difficult when we're using the wrong tool. It's the easiest, it's easier to overcome the, the, the challenge when we use the right tool, isn't it? Getting that bolt screw out of that wood would be a lot easier with a socket wrench than a hammer. So why is it that so often that when we face, uh, when the challenge we face is a trial in our lives, when that's the challenge that comes to us, why is it that we try so often to overcome the trial with the wrong tools? When a trial comes into our lives, we reach for the tools of worry or anxiety. Or we reach for the tools of anger and frustration. Why is this happening to me, right? Why now? Why here? I've got 20 other things to deal with as well, right? Or, or gossip and condemnation when somebody has done something to us, put something in our way, put another thing on our plate. Why are you doing this to me? You don't work, right? Or my favorite, the I can do this myself tool, right? 
We just dive right in, trying to do everything in our own strength and our own power, which so often leads us back to the first set of tools I was talking about, right? I'm trying to do this in my own strength and my own power. I'm just getting frustrated, and and now I'm anxious because it's not getting done. What am I going to do? And it's your fault, right? It's that woman that you gave me, right? Let's blame God for everything. That was no reflection on my wife, by the way. <laughs> Not at all. Why, why is it that we so constantly reach for these? When God gives us three perfectly good tools that are perfect for the job of overcoming hardship and trials while resting in his peace. He gives us three good tools for overcoming or, or getting through hardship and trials while having a peace that he says is incomprehensible by the world, a peace that surpasses all understanding. In our passage tonight, we're going to see that God reminds us that we can have peace in spite of the trials. The trials will still come as long as we live in a fallen world, but we can have peace from God when we reach for the tools of prayer, to him, focus on him, and walking with him. In that order, by the way. Prayer, focus, and walking. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Start at verse 6. I took a step back from where we were the last time we were in this passage because... This concept of not being anxious is so foreign to us, isn't it? Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Chapter 4, starting at verse 6, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and have received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Twice in this passage, Paul speaks of peace. Having peace in spite of all the trials that would dare to bring the notion of anxiety upon us, right? In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And in verse 9, he mentions that the God of peace will be with you. We can have peace. A peace in the presence of God that surpasses all worldly comprehension. But even, even we as Christians, those who have accepted Christ as our Savior, we miss this, don't we? 
We miss this so often, but God has given us here those three tools. We can have that peace in the presence of God that surpasses worldly comprehension if we begin with prayer. Because this idea of... Never mind. Skip that part. I think Paul gave us this order on purpose. He started with prayer and then gets to what we're focused on and then walking, right? He gives us this order on purpose because I can't tell you how many times the first tool that I reach for is the I can do it myself tool. I start to walk or even run before I would bring it to God. It's so natural for us, we don't even know that we're doing it. As I was sitting in the back room preparing for this very study, I did something foolish. I looked at my email. And what was in my email? Oh no, I have to deal with tax forms. And then I was trying to get on the tax forms, and then the tax forms wouldn't show up. And I tried to log on, and it wouldn't let me log on. I can't sign the tax forms. What's going on here? And Right? So I got totally off track and onto something that I needed to take care of, and I needed to do it myself. I didn't bother praying to God. I can do this. It's tax forms. Something happens at work. Who do I need to email? What do I need to say? I call them. I do whatever it might need to be done to to get the problem taken care of because I hate having issues hanging over my head. Anybody here like having things hanging over your head that you still need to take care of? Yeah? Nobody. I I just dive in quick so I can take care of the problem and get it out of the way. Whatever it might be in our lives, be it something that we can handle or something that we can't, we know we can't going in, how often do we actually pray before? Before we dive into it. When you're sick, what do you do? Call the doctor, right? Do we pray before we even pick up that phone? I'll pray later. I'll pray when I can't do anything more myself. I'll pray when I'm at my wit's end and and suddenly I realize that I need God, that I needed him before this moment. And all the while, God is reminding us here, do you want peace in the times of hardship? Bring it to me first. Remember that I am God. That I am omniscient. God tells us in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. There is nothing that God doesn't know. Even things not yet done. The trial, whatever it might be, doesn't surprise him. But he wants us to relate to him in the hard time. He wants us to bring these things before him. He wants us to bear our hearts to talk with him. He wants us to to walk with him through the garden once more. 
Because that's what he made us to do. God made us to relate to him. And when we don't, there's something missing. And when we do this with thankfulness, according to his word, he listens to us. He hears us. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 1 John 5, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. When we pray according to his will, we know that God is going to be there. He's going to be listening and he's going to be answering. According to James, if we would only ask, God is more than ready to give us wisdom. God will give us the wisdom to deal with any of the trials that we have in this life. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. The omniscient one. The God who knows everything, even things not yet done is offering me wisdom. And yet, how often I put him off. And I think I can deal with this in my own strength. I can take care of this. When I have access to the God who knows everything. We need to bring our concerns and our tribulations to God before we take them on ourselves because we worship a God who is not only omniscient and therefore knows the right way to walk through any trial, we worship the God who is also omnipotent, the God who is almighty. He is able to overcome any obstacle. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Nothing. By the way, that means nothing will be impossible with God. He can overcome absolutely any obstacle. He says that to us in the midst of a passage that speaks of a virgin being with child. Talk about an obstacle. John 1, 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He created everything. Everything in creation was created by him, and he holds it together right now. There's nothing in creation that stands outside of his control, nothing that he cannot handle. The God of all creation, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who knows all things, can also, or I should say he also knows, personally what we go through and he's given us access to his throne hebrews 4 since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God took on flesh, and when God took on that flesh, he knew exactly what it's like to live in a fallen world, in a body just like ours, to endure temptation, and yet he did it without sin so that we could have access to the very throne of God when we need help. And he sympathizes with us. And as I I remember these things, it really makes me wonder, why don't I go to God first? Why don't I go to him before I try to handle it in my own strength? When I do come before God, I need to bring my trials before him with thankfulness. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because when I come before him in prayer with thankfulness, I begin to get my eyes off of myself. I begin to get my eyes off of myself. Uh, Going through this made me think about the Lord's Prayer and the text of the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure most all of us know it, but it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. See, my food, it comes from the hand of God. He caused it to grow. I didn't go out to the field, water it, create that seed that has the innate knowledge in and of itself how to go from a dead seed into a living plant that produces more fruit that I might eat. My food comes from his hand as he caused it to grow, and he gave me the gifts that I might work, that I might earn the money. I didn't gift myself. God gave me these things so that I can do these things so that I can go pay for the food. I just go to the grocery store and buy it off the shelf, right? He gave me then the hands to cook it with as I take it home. I didn't sit there in my mother's womb and go, you know what I really need? I need these, right? I didn't put them there. God did. God knit me together in my mother's womb. On and on as I think about every last detail of what it would take to get bread on my table. The complexity of it all. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. My forgiveness... My forgiveness of of my sins is from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection for me in my place. It's not something that I have or could secure for myself. It's not something that I have earned. I'm relying upon him for that. Thank God it's a free gift. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. My, my freedom from sin, my ability to turn away from sin. It comes from the new life, the, the transformation that he has worked in my heart and in my mind. The power of his spirit that abides in us, his blood shed and his resurrection power at work. And our deliverance from evil, here and now or ultimately in heaven, It's in his hand. 
Thanking him in prayer causes me to remember that I am reliant, 100% reliant upon God, even for every breath that I breathe. I didn't make the air. I didn't make the lungs. We are so fantastically, wonderfully knit together. All the systems in our body that have to be in place all at once, think about it. We've got the nervous system, the 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 the, the cardiac system we've got the respiratory system we've got the all all these different systems right digestive system tell me which one of those systems you could survive without which one developed over millions of years Nah, you had to have them all otherwise you're dead you're dust they had to all be there at once he's given me everything i have because everything is his Psalm 24, 1 through 2. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. I am reliant upon him to get through the trials and hardships. I am reliant upon him for my hope of everlasting life. I am his. And you know what that means? That means that the trial in my life that I have to overcome somehow, that's his too. If I am his, he's taken on all my trials and everything in my life. It's all his. So I find that that when I come to him in prayer with thanksgiving, my focus begins to change, doesn't it? Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If I spend hours dwelling on things that I cannot change or how someone else has has hurt me. What tool do you grab for? The the tool that I, I grab for to deal with it is usually anger or frustration or some kind of talking about them or gossiping or, or condemnation of who they are or what they've done. Settles into anxiety, right? Because we really can't do anything about it. Forgetting about the things of God. But if I would just get my focus Get my eyes on that which is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Think about that list. What could possibly be on that list? What is it that... that qualifies for all these things? And, and I'm sure there's, there's things of this world that could qualify for a few of those things to some degree, right? But I can only think of a couple things that fulfill them all to their greatest degree. What is, what is the greatest true, the greatest honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise thing you can think of? God, yeah, Jesus. God and his word, right? Let me read to you from Psalm 1. Go ahead and turn over to Psalm 1. 
give you a hint. It's the first psalm. Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, on God's word. And on God's word, he meditates day and night. If I want to be blessed with the peace of God and be in his presence, I cannot spend my time in the counsel of the wicked. I can't spend my time dwelling on what they might have to say beginning to think the same way that the world does and have the same philosophies and approaches to life as the world does, entertaining the same thoughts with my days. I can't spend time standing in sin or sitting down and scoffing and mocking or gossiping like the world does. I need to be in his word to get my focus on him so that I can listen to him day and night communication it's a two-way street right a relationship is always goes both ways right so god says pray bring all your stuff to me in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving right talk to me Let me know what's going on. I want that relationship with you. And guess what? Now, let me talk to you. God reciprocates that. How does he reciprocate that? He says, get your focus on something that is trustworthy. Get your head meditating on my word. Let me speak to you. I will tell you something trustworthy. Believe me, in my word, it's loaded with truth. I will remind you that justice is mine and I will repay. You don't have to worry about it. You don't need to be anxious. If somebody's done something legitimately wrong against you, I will repay. I'm a lot bigger than you are. Not me, God, right? I'm not bigger than most people. In fact, I'm quite a bit smaller. But instead... God says, I will show you the commendable work that I've called you to. To share the gospel with the unlovable, just as I opened your eyes when you were unlovable. That's something lovely, isn't it? I will give you your reason to praise and lift up your hands. You have an eternal hope that is not your own, but it is in Christ Jesus. And if you should stumble, if you should fall, I will pick you up, for you are in my hand, and there is no power on this earth that can remove you from my hand. I am God. There is no other. There is none like him. 
now, only after we've taken the time to pray and taken the time to listen to God, meditating on his word and, and aligning our hearts and minds with that of God, now we walk. What you have learned, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, those things that Paul taught them from God's word, those things that Paul exemplified for them in God's word, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Walk in them. Go and do them. Now that you've been in prayer, laying these things out before God, now that you've been in his word and, and heard from God, now go and walk, and the God of peace will be with you. Now that we have our focus and our perspective in the right place, our hearts and minds given to God as a living sacrifice, only then is it time for us to take action. Because when we, when we take action before we go through these steps, we tend to take action in our own wisdom, don't we? I'm gonna, I, I can get it done, right? I know what to do. And when we take action for ourselves and we take things into our own hands, we are far more likely to begin to walk, stand, and sit in sin focused on ourselves, not on God. God will not abide with sin. He won't live with it. Isaiah 59.2 Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or is ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. As Paul said to the Ephesians, even a believer, even somebody who has accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, can grieve the Spirit of God within them. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If we walk in accord with the word of God and according to his ways and we align our decisions up with him and, and we keep our focus on him, who can condemn us? If we walk in the will of God, if we, we will have the peace of God. We will have a confidence that while the world around us might be falling apart, we pray to and worship the God of all creation. You know what? My daddy's big. He's bigger 
than any of my trials can imagine. And I can go to him anywhere and anytime with thankfulness in my heart. He can take care of the bullies. He can take care of it all, and he knows what's going on. His words bring me comfort as he speaks to me through it. It reminds me of my hope and my future. He reminds me of what is good and what is true and teaches me an upright way to face a fallen world so that I can then take my trials one step at a time as I live for him with my will aligned with his will so that when I walk, I won't have a misguided agenda in my heart or step into an ungodly decision with the peace of God guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus and the God of peace right there with me. So often we are missing out on the peace of God because we are simply reaching for the wrong tool to deal with it. Did you get that bolt out there yet, Rachel? No? As the trials come, let's pray to God with thankfulness. Focus on his word, hearing from him, listening to him. And then walk in the wisdom that he gives us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that gives us tools, knowledge, understanding, wisdom on how to to walk in a fallen world. And the evidence of that fallen world is all around us as people do terrible things as we can see it even in our own lives, as we've done things against you, against others, however small it might be. Lord, you reveal these things to us as your, mirror, your, your word is like a mirror to us and it shows us the truth. Lord, we praise you for your word that is trustworthy. It is lovely. It is excellent. It is praiseworthy as you, God, are praiseworthy. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Help us to walk with you this week. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.